Hello and welcome to another episode of The Athlete's Advocate. I'm your host, Ashel Tag, professional athlete and author of The Reality Behind the Glamour of College Athletics. On today's episode, we have a very special guest, Sean McCow. Sean is a former professional European basketball player and coach. He grew up in Las Vegas, graduating from Western High School and went to the University of Arizona before transferring out his first year to Dixie Junior College. Having the same experience as most athletes, he transferred out for his last two seasons and graduated from Southern Utah University, where he was inducted into the Athletic Hall of Fame in 2017. Professionally, he played for more than 12 years in six different countries, including Australia, Switzerland, France, Portugal, England, and Germany. As a coach, he coached in Germany's first league and has coached from levels ranging from the youth level all the way to the professional level for over nine years. Sean, it is great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. So you currently live in Germany and work as an educator at, you know, an international school. Out of curiosity, why Germany and what does your work as an educator in Germany consist of? Well, when I retired from active playing and went right into coaching, it was here in Germany. So uh, I just kind of stuck around. And when I decided that I had had enough with, with basketball, I needed a new job. So, um, no, I, I, I've always been interested in, in education and the chance came up and it was an easy transition for me to jump from coaching then into education where I have the fifth grade and this is a private international school. So we have a lot of students from different countries. Um, and so it's, it's also English spoken, although I am fluent in German, but it's English spoken. So it makes it a little, a little bit easier for me as well. Are you fluent in German? Yeah, I can speak German, yeah. I've been, the thing is, oh, I, yeah, um, I have to make a, a little correction. It's not Australia that I played in, it was Austria. And that's where I picked up German first. I played my first five years overseas in Austria. And that's where I picked up German. And ever since then, I've pretty much always been able to speak it. And so I'm, I'm fluent. I'm very much fluent in German, yeah. Wow, that, that's amazing. Um, you know, for a lot of athletes, we go overseas and we're like trying to kind of, you know, blend in with the culture and everything and then learn as much as we can. But for you to take the initiative to actually learn and now speak fluently is like amazing. I've never heard of an athlete say, well, I speak fluent French or, you know, German or, you know, whatever other language. So I think that's pretty cool. Well, it's usually it's usually the ones that end up staying over here that, that pick up the languages or, or that really try to in, indoctrinate the, the the culture of where they're they're staying and playing and and I know quite a few guys that can that that can speak different languages, but you usually because the contracts are usually one year, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for one guy to learn French when he might only be in France for one year. It's kind of hard. Right, right. Now, how would how did you stay? How were you able to stay in Germany? And because you currently live there, how was that transition like? And how were you able to stay there? Well, I was in the year two thousand. I was um, rewarded or given the Austrian citizenship. I've been there five years, and they also wanted me for the national national team. So, uh, and I was married at the time, and I changed my citizenship in the year 2000. So I am no longer an American citizen, I am an Austrian citizen, which means I am an EU citizen, which means I have free movement in all of Europe. I can work and do whatever I want in any country in Europe, in the EU. 
So I have free movement. I can work anywhere. So that allowed me then to stay here in Germany while I was here and get a job, a normal job as well. Wow, that's amazing. So like when you gained that citizenship in Austria, you couldn't have dual citizenship. Did you have to drop one for the other or how was that process for you? Yes, I had to I had to give up my American citizenship for the Austrian one, which was a tough decision, but it's not one that I that I have regretted at all since since 2000. I've now got it 21 years and I've never regretted one minute of it. Wow, that is I I didn't know that. I had no knowledge of that at all. Like I have, you know, aspirations of possibly living in Europe, but I did I don't know really cuz you know every country is different in terms of like their citizenships and what they require. Um, but I didn't know that certain countries require you to drop your, you know, American citizenship because, you know, we're Americans and take on their citizenship. But that's pretty cool. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Each country is different. Each country is different and, and they have their own rules. And it just so happens that Austria at that time, I'm not sure how it is now, but at that time, they were not allowing dual citizenship because a lot of people were living in their home country and still reaping the benefits of the social systems where they where they were getting the new passport from. So they stopped doing that. I think now it may be a little bit easier, but back then in, in 2000, it wasn't possible for me. And, and by that time, I already knew that I wanted to stay in Europe full time. So it was an easy decision for me. Wow, that's, that's a unique journey for sure. Now, you know, you got into the coaching side of it whenever you were done playing as a player. And most most athletes tend to turn to coaching because that they feel like that's the only thing that they're um, good at after. You know, they don't really try and seek other professional careers outside of the sports world. But for you, it was different. Like you had a passion for it. You know, you were influencing the game in a different way um, and you saw a vision and perspective in this. So for you as a coach, how was it going from being a professional top tier athlete to now coaching and being on the other side of it? And what did you see as a coach and how were you able to, since you were able to coach at, you know, different levels of talent, how were you able to accommodate for each talent and play at each level? Okay. Do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> because this question is, is loaded. Um, so, so for me, it was um, one of the strangest things that I've ever experienced or heard of in Europe. I've never heard of this particular kind of story, what I'm about to tell you, anywhere in Europe. So basically, I was in my last season. I, was, I knew I was going to retire after that last season, and I was going to go onto the, onto the coaching staff as an assistant coach um, for that same team that I was playing for. And so it was fixed, like my last season, go into coaching. That was, that was clear. And I was, think I was 34 at the time. And that was the right time for me to stop playing. I definitely wanted to walk away before I got injured or I couldn't, people thought that I couldn't play anymore or anything like that. But so the interesting part comes where halfway through our season, we're playing in the, in the first league in Germany. And our team wasn't very good. We didn't have a whole lot of money. We had just moved up from the second division to the first. And we just didn't have the type of players to, to stay in the first league. So halfway through the season, the club, approaches me and they say, hey, look, we don't have enough money for, to bring in another coach and pay another the, the current coach. If we fire him, we would like you to become head coach. This was in the middle of the season. Um, I told them, no, 
partly because I had a good relationship with the coach and I thought that was going behind his back. And of course, I just wanted to finish out my last season. You know, I didn't want to just jump right into coaching. I had, I had zero coaching experience, although I would say I was a coach on the floor, but I had zero coaching experience until that point because I was always playing. So I told them no, and for about two weeks, they kept bugging me. And finally, I talked to my brother one night on the phone, and he said, hey, you want to coach? That's what you want to do anyway. Take this job and use it as a platform. You have nothing to lose. You guys are probably going to drop back down into the second league in the worst-case scenario. In the best-case scenario, you turn things around, and, and everything is great. So use it as, as a way to, to coach 15 games in the first league and see what you like, try out things, things like that. Of course, that was not the ideal situation going from playing with these guys for two years, going out, partying, doing whatever, you know, going to eat. I knew their families, they knew mine. And then pretty much the next day, I'm their coach. Right? <laughs> and really, I've never heard of this scenario ever. So seriously, overnight, finally, they, they, they wore me down and I said, okay, we had a game on a Saturday. I knew that was going to be my last game. I had probably my best game of the year um, up, up until that point. And after the game, I just broke down. I just cried because I knew that was going to be my last game. Nobody knew. None of my, none of my teammates knew. They had kind of heard things, but it was not fixed and there was nothing really out there yet. So, um, yeah, so I broke down and cried in the locker room. Nobody knew what was going on, and I had to keep it to myself until the press conference. And on Monday morning, bright and early, I was on the sideline as a coach. And so I coached the final 15 games in the, in the first league, and I have to say I, I, I would not have done it any other way because one thing that I realized is that I'm a, I'm a leader by nature, and I don't know how I would have been as an assistant coach um, and then to be able to, to coach in the first league in Germany on that stage was incredible. And it really showed me that that's what I wanted to do. And it showed me that I'm a leader and not a follower. So it was definitely maybe not the ideal situation, but it was definitely the right thing for me and for my future um, career path. But it wasn't easy at all. And it, there were tough times, but we got through it. Now, reflecting back to your playing days, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you played for 12 years, which is amazing, in six different countries. How were those 12 years for you as a player? I know on the women's side, you know, we don't really get the opportunity to go that long. And if we do, there's only a small percentage of us that actually can go that long, you know, because our bodies start breaking down, injuries start happening, opportunities to advance aren't really there all the way. So on your side, on the men's side, how was your experience in, in, in playing in six different countries for 12 years? Yeah, for me, it was incredible. I, I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to play. I knew I wasn't good enough to be an NBA player. Um, so coming over here to Europe was the next best thing, and, and it allowed me to see the world and, and really grow up. I've grown up. I've been in Europe more years than I lived in the States. So I've really grown up here. It's, it's, I've become a, a man here. I got married here. I had children here. I, I, I bought a, a house here. You know, it's, it's a, a different thing. I've, I've become a man here. So for me, it was an amazing experience to play in different countries. And that was also by choice. 
that I wanted to experience different countries. I, I think I was in Austria for five years and that was the longest that I was ever in, in one country while I was a player. Um, I think in Switzerland, I played there two years. And in Germany, before I started coaching, I was also two years. So I, I really wanted to see other countries. I really wanted to move around a little bit once I left Austria. And so that was by design. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And I, I wouldn't want to change any experience that I had for anything in the world. Wow, that's good to hear. Now, you know, not only were you a professional athlete and a coach, but you are also an author. You authored your first book. And before we get into the book, you know, which I'm really excited to talk about because it really, the topics you discuss are so important, especially for rookies. Um, but before we get into that, what happened during your journey that prompted you to think and say, you know what, I think I want to put this on paper. I want to talk about my experience. I want to kind of highlight topics that are important, but we don't talk about or nobody knows about and kind of educate the next generation of athletes that are coming to this professional world so they can be prepared and ready for their next step. Well, I've always been a, a writer. I, I write short stories. I write other, other things and I really enjoy it. So of course, you know, as an athlete, as a professional athlete over here, you have a lot of downtime and I wanted to do something meaningful with my downtime. So I think I started it when I was playing in England and I just wanted to give something back to, to people who were coming behind me because I know when I first came here, I didn't know anything about European basketball. It was, I was really flying blind. And it took me a couple of years to, to learn everything that I would eventually understand later. But um, so I wanted to basically be that old head kind of like to tell the younger guys, okay, this is, and girls, this is what you need to look for in contracts. This is what you need to do if you get hurt. This is what you need to do with your taxes. These these were the things, and it kind of evolved. I, and I, I originally started writing it, I think, when I was in, in England about 14 years ago, but I couldn't get it published at that time. And to be honest, it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, and um, then uh, in 2020, when Corona hit, I had more time on my hands and, and my best friend was here. And he said, hey, why don't you dust off your old book? Because, you know, people still need that info. So that's exactly what I did. I, I revamped it. I looked through it. And a lot of the things were pretty much the same. I just had to update it. I had to, to add a couple of things. Um, but the, the, the basic outline of the book was already set. So I just needed to make some improvements in my writing <laughs> and, and fill, fill in some gaps. And so that's what I did. And I decided to self-publish it. And for me, there's no bigger joy than to have someone read the book and say, hey, thank you, because I didn't know that. I'm not in it for the money. I, I've given away, I always tell everybody, I've given away far more books than I've actually sold or probably will sold, sell for the next decade. I don't know. Um, but that's not important to me. The, the thing is for me to give that information out to the people who need it so that they don't have the same struggles that I or many people that I interviewed for the book or people that I know the same struggles that, that we had and that they have something in their hands where they can look back on and say, okay, my, my, I got injured. Um, I need to go get a second opinion. Let's look in the book and see how, how Sean did that or how he discusses that. You know, so I just wanted them to have the information and what they do with it is on them. 
Right. And as, as an author and writer myself, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think the greatest gift you can give to someone is information. And especially if it's free game, right? And um, to know that you're actually looking out for other, because you didn't have to do this. You know, you wanted to do this. You wanted to educate everybody about your experience and what you've learned. So the next person doesn't make the same mistake or they know better or what to do differently. Um, now, your book is called Same Name, Different Game, Your Guide to a Successful European Rookie Season. And in your book, you touch on various important topics, including um, understanding contracts, which is very, very important, um, league and country differences in terms of competition and how everything operates, tax considerations, which a lot of athletes don't even know about paying taxes, even though you're not competing in America. Um, and then how to handle yourself when you get cut, because, I mean, it happens, right? You, it's 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 the real world here you know if you don't perform or whatever happens you can get cut and so i unfortunately haven't had the opportunity to read it yet but i it's on the way <laughs> i'm ordering and it's on the way and i can't wait to read it but i really want to unpack all of it right now for our listeners so i wanted to start with you describing why you thought it was important for you to mention or even talk about these particular particular topics in addition to everything else that you mentioned in your book for first year rookies especially well what I really wanted to focus on was two things. I wanted to focus on rookies or basically the book starts around the, the, your junior year, the end of your junior year, going into your senior year. And that kind of sets off the tone for how your rookie season over here will be. So that was the one thing that I really wanted to get in touch with those rookies. And the other thing that I really wanted to touch base on was the fact that 90% of the players over here are not making um, 100,000 a year. They're, they're, they're in really a very wide span of 250 euros a month to 5,000 euros a month or 7,000 euros a month. There's a, a huge span of guys that are not making that Euro League money. And those are the ones that I really wanted to reach out to because those are the ones that need the most help. The, the guy who's playing that went to Duke and then goes to, I don't know, Barcelona, he's got a team. He's got people watching out for him. He's got people doing his taxes. He's got um, people that, that do a lot of the things that the guy making 300 a month doesn't have. And so that was very important for me to, to, to reach out to the ones that don't have that team around them so that they have the information and know what to expect. So that was, my, that was one of my main thought behind, uh, thoughts behind writing the book, period, and, and just like I said, just having the information out there so that so that people are not making the same same mistakes that I made or or being taken advantage of by teams or agents for that matter. Right. Right. And it's a big you know misconception and misperception is that like you come over here and you're automatically making bank. You know, it ranges. You know, it depends on. Um, you as the athlete, you know, your talent, where you came from, you know, what you can provide to a team and everything. Um, and I think another thing, another interesting thing about your book is the fact that you started your writing based on juniors, being a junior and how that part is critical in terms of you wanted to play professional, because that's when you start looking at agents, right? That's when you start looking at, okay, I need to get my numbers up, you know, because they do look at those stats coming out of college, right? And the college you go to matters as well. And so it adds it adds um, just more to you as, as a player in what they're looking for. So I think that's truly amazing. Now, 
I really wanted to hone in on contracts and taxes because those are the two things I feel like a lot of athletes to this day still don't understand. They could be in their third year and they still don't understand the concept of both. And so with without giving away too much, because I want my readers and, and my listeners to go read the book, what did you write about in terms of what they should look out for in their contracts as rookies? And then also in terms of taxes, how they should go about taxes. Well, as far as the, the contracts go, it's interesting because the same things that I wrote about 14, 15 years ago are still prevalent today. There's still the same things that, that agents discuss or do not discuss with, with their clients. Um, and it's interesting that these things have, some of these things have not changed. I didn't have to update a whole lot in this portion of my book. And I don't care about, about giving the information away. I want people to read the book. But um, for, for me, it's interesting that, that players don't know when they come over. They rely too much on their agent to give them information, and they don't know simple things. Um, like, for example, um, if you're not making, let's say, a whole lot of money, usually for, on, on the lower-paying teams, you can have meal money or they give you money for, for, for your meals two times a day or, or, or something like that, or three times, it doesn't matter, um, that, that this is available or bonus money. Guys are not asking about bonus money. They just getting the contract, looking it over and say, okay, that's fine. They look at the bottom line and they see a dollar figure and they say, okay, but they're not reading between the lines. They're not looking at, at the, the different things that could affect them during the season, such as injuries. So that was a big one for me because when I, my first year over, I was in Austria two months before I broke my leg. And then I was out for the whole year. And I was very, very fortunate that my team, um, basically they came into the hospital the next day and offered me a contract for the next season. And that's rare. You know, so normally they're just bandaging you up if you're going to be out for a longer period of time over two months usually um they're they're putting some band-aids on you and sending you home with a with a severance pay but my team was very very generous and extended me the same contract i had had that first year there were conditions that i had to stay there and i had to rehab and things like that so i couldn't go home for christmas i couldn't go home in the summer because i needed to stay in rehab but in general it was a really generous offer that they made to me that is not the norm so these players have to understand what happens if they get hurt or that they need to get a second opinion because also in my case the team wanted me back sooner they thought that they could have me back by the playoffs and a lot of things went wrong in my rehab because of that at that time i didn't know it i didn't know that i should get a second opinion they fired my physio and i had no idea what was going on and I write about that in my book. So in my book, there's a lot of stories based on things that happened to me. So if there's a correlation, it's easy for the reader to, to see, okay, this is why. This is why this guy is writing this, you know? And those are things that are very, very important. And as far as the taxes go, I'm sorry if I'm being long-winded, but as far as taxes go, that's an issue that a lot of, a lot of current players that have been over here nine, 10 years, that they don't know. They, they have no idea. There's one myth, and a really huge myth, that your money over here is tax-free. That is, 
that is such bull crap that I'm tired of, of hearing it. Um, <laughs> so, so the Americans are coming over here thinking they don't have to pay Uncle Sam, and that is dead wrong. Uncle Sam also wants his cut, right? So basically, that's a myth that, that needs to be brought up, and I bring it up in my book, and they have to understand that their money is taxable back, back home. It's just that over here, the teams pay for your taxes in the country you're at. They pay for your social insurance, they, your medical insurance, things like that. That all is deducted from your, your salary, but you have your main net salary, but they are obligated to pay these, these taxes. And what a lot of people don't know is that depending on the country, if you play there long enough, you can get a portion of what the team paid for you back. So all you have to do is file your taxes in that country. Of course, you need to get a, a, a licensed tax broker in that country. But if, especially if you've been there a couple of years, all you have to do is pay your taxes and you get a nice little lump sum of money back as a refund. But there's a lot of guys that are just leaving that money on the table, playing a couple of years, going to another country, going to another country, and they don't know that they're, they're actually able to get refunds. Right. Now, if one didn't have access to your book, this is before you, you know, even put this book out, you know, and now people are aware and stuff. How would they have known? Like, what are some and what where is the information for them to know this? Because I'm sure their agents aren't telling them because obviously they don't know. Right. And this is a whole new world. Right. You're going to a foreign country. Most of them don't really know economically how things work and everything. So how are they to really seek out this information if they don't think it's there? Like, where are they supposed to look to know, okay, I'm supposed to pay taxes or I can get a refund if I played in this country for this amount of years? Um, or, yeah, I should go back to the States and find a CPA or whatever, an accountant to do my taxes and be able to file correctly so that I am doing my due diligence, you know, as a, as a citizen uh, back home but also doing it right where I don't have Uncle Sam knocking on my door. Exactly. So, I mean, okay, now I'm, I'm showing my age right now. I'm 48 years old. I came over in 1995. That was the stone age what, what um, modern technology is concerned. Um, I had no internet. I had no Skype. I had no, I had literally like to go through encyclopedias in a library to find out anything about Austria uh, before I came over. So uh, the information age is, is really um, in, in the benefit of those who seek information. All you got to do is Google. I mean, it's at your fingertips. You don't have to read my book. You can, you can just go online and say, how do I do my taxes overseas? Or, or Google the name of, a, of a, um, an accountant in your country, in your city that Usually they don't charge for the first for the first appointment, and they can give you information, and then you can go from there. So that's money well invested if you if you do that. But the information is there. You just have to you just have to access it. And, and the internet now, and and all the the uh, high speed stuff that you guys have now as players or at, at your fingertips, the information is there. Yeah, definitely. So it's it's easier to seek out the information, like you said. You know, um, it's easier to just Google you know, definition or word or whatever you're looking for and find it and then be able to then follow up with that information. Now, I, I don't know if you spoke about this in your book, but I wanted to talk about investments as an athlete, right? 
So overseas, you make your money. Most most athletes kind of spend their money recklessly, right? Whether they spend it here or spend it back home during the summer. Um, and you don't have to speak on this personally unless you want to. But how have you been able to save, you know, while you were playing the money that you made or possibly invest it to where it's multiplying? Because, you know, our, our contracts are yearly, right? So you play for a team for a year. And then it's like you go home for the summer or whatever you do for two, three months, and then you come back for another season. And sometimes, like you said, if injuries happen, most you know contracts, depending on where you are and the team, they're not guaranteed. Or if you're not, if you show up and you're not in shape or you're not good, you can get cut and you don't get that salary or whatever, whatever your contract looks like. But how do you multiply your income as an athlete or how do you save properly as an athlete while you're playing so then when you're done, you have some type of cushion going into your next purpose, your next opportunity, your next career. Right. So I wrote about this a little bit in the book. There, there are definitely much better experts than, than I am on this subject of how to save your money. But I'm, I'm going to give you a very easy example. A lot of guys are not making 100000 200000 300000 a year. So I equate it to me when I was – first came out, I was making, I think, $1,200 a month, which is not a lot. What these players have to realize is, is the money that you get is pretty much for, for entertainment purposes. If you think about the things that you do not have to pay for over here while you're here, then you should be able to save at least half your contract, or I mean, I'm sorry, half of your monthly salary. Um, depending on how much you make. But really, I mean, if you're making a thousand a month, you should still be able to save 500. It depends on what you do with your money. So here's a brief breakdown of the things that you're not paying for. So you're not paying for your apartment. You're not paying for electricity. You're not paying for cable. You're not paying for house or uh, house or apartment insurance. You're not paying for your car. You're not paying for the insurance on your car. You're not paying for your health insurance. If you add all of that up for what you are not paying for and put that on top of what you're, what you're getting every month, that's a lot of money. So you have to think realistically, the money that you're getting every month is for entertainment purposes. It's for going out, in some cases eating. It's for, I don't know, your, your, your telephone bill. But nowadays there's Skype, there's WhatsApp. You can make calls for free if you're if you're in in wi-fi i mean <laughs> you can you can literally cut your expenses to a bare minimum if you're not going to the club every weekend and buying drinks for everyone and and i don't know buying every pair of shoes that comes out you can literally save at least half your check if you're if you're somewhat smart about it and like i said there there are definitely other experts uh, that can give more information about this, but still, if you're making a thousand euros a month, there's still no reason why you shouldn't be able to, to save 500 based on the fact that you're not paying for very much. Right. Now, you know, quickly to touch on this, you know, for those players, because, you know, salary ranges, right? And Due to that, what do you think? Why do you think salary ranges so much? Do you think it's more so the player and what they can offer the club, or do you think it's the league that they're in, or do you think it's a combination of both and also how their agents sell them to other clubs, other leagues, or or whatever the case may be? Well, there's so many different factors for 
your your pay range and it can you it can jump after one season but it can also decrease after one season and i tell everybody all the time don't spend money that you do not have yet in your in your summer vacation you know because it could be that you might have to take a pay cut so there's so many factors and of course it depends on what country you're playing in of course a country like spain pays better than a country like austria it depends on how your agent markets you agents have a tough job because they have to they have so many guys on their rosters and they have to find places for all these guys but they're basically going to look at you evaluate your talent and then put you in some kind of pay range especially that first year and see if they can get something in that pay range now they will probably market you at different levels maybe for a job that they know that you probably won't get or uh, a very low paying job and everything in between just because they have to have some kind of option and timing is a big issue it could be that a guy gets hurt and and you take his place and there's so so many issues and and things that that could lead to your your pay being doubled in a good way or minus in a bad way there's there's just a lot of different issues that that could come to play it's a lot of luck it's also depending on how you play of course if you play well you'll get noticed depends on what leagues you're playing in if you're playing if you're getting more exposure playing in the europe euro cup or not if you're in a second league team that that um is trying to move up and you get that team to move up to the first division that will also get you noticed there's just a lot of different factors that that contribute to your pay range and and a lot of it is timing and luck. Absolutely, definitely. Now, one of the other things that you talked about or mentioned in your book um that I wanted to discuss was, you know, being fired, you know, being let go from a team, your contract being terminated and the reasons, you know, for that. So, you know, I I think it's it's normal, right? But for us athletes, we take it hard when a team cuts us for whatever reason, you know, they see fit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to deal with, you know, but, you know, what do you say, like, how, how would you say you should conduct yourself when that does happen, whether it's because obviously you got injured? Well, if, when you get injured, it's like, okay, I got, I can't play. So I understand. But for other reasons, you know, how should you conduct yourself with that club and parting ways and then how you should treat yourself or conduct yourself moving forward and and what you should have in mind going to the next club the next situation or maybe even dealing with your with your um with your agent at that time the the the, the number one rule is just to maintain professionalism that's the number one rule you do not want to do anything that will hurt your future earnings so every club talks to agents every club talks talks to other clubs things like that word of mouth is huge if you do something stupid and and act unprofessionally when you've just been released word will get around and it'll affect your future earnings most definitely i was fired one time when i was in france and it hurt it sucked i was devastated that was the only time that i was ever fired and that was a, a a blow to my confidence but in the end the team did what was what they felt was right for them it's a business it is not a a a family thing you are you are a hired player 
Your job is to play basketball to the best of your ability. And maybe you think you played to the best of your ability, but if those that are, are making decisions don't think that you did, then you will be let go. And there's nothing you can do about it. So the only thing you have to do is be professional. You can ask why. I'm sure you will have a meeting or something like that um, where you'll find things out. But in general, you just have to kind of, you got to eat it and hope that your agent is then able to find you another job um, pretty quickly. And that depends.